Well, the first time I ever preached in Crowley was 1979. Now, how many of you were not born in 1979? Raise your hand. Wow. Thank you for making me feel like really, really, really old. <laughs> and you're probably a preacher, and people will do the same thing to you. And, and, and I came to Crowley High School, spoke in Crowley High School, and brought in a Christian band. It was one of the top bands in America then called Farrell and Farrell. And that, that was, I mean, 1979, 80, and then I was ever for, for years... Uh, came to Crowley High School and then would go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame would bring me in to, to do their spiritual renewal slash abstinence and drug-free week and did that for many, many years. But when I think of, of Crowley, that's what I think of. I think those first days. And then, of course, uh, way before I was even married, January 15th would be 33 years, I, I would preach for Brother Singley at Northside. And the first time that I pulled up, I was probably about, I guess, 19 years old, maybe 20, and uh, Brother Singley was on the roof with a nail bag around him, putting the roof on the little bitty old building before the addition of the addition of the addition. And I think of incredible men like that, Pastor Bob King and Lafayette and so many others, Pastor Perry Sanders, who have labored in Acadiana and left a significant impact. And, and our prayer is that one day, y'all will be able to say that about Pastor Zach, that he not only came here and preached, but he came here and gave his life to reach a community. And there's a great heritage of incredible men in Acadiana that have done that, that all of us here are the recipients of. How many of you were touched by Brother Singler's ministry at one point or another? And, and I know, I know that I was. And for years, when we, even when people ask us, because there are people here that came to one of our other campuses who asked us to come to Crowley as we were planning churches. And I always said we wouldn't come until Pastor Singley went on to another responsibility. And so I believe for every new season, there's new leaders and new things that God wants to do. And I'm excited that this is happening right here. Let me say it one more time. I'm excited this is happening right here. And I'm, I'm really excited it's not happening. I've been telling people that the service was at the Rice Palace. So last night, uh, last night I, I texted one of, one, one of the guys in our church, and every pastor has people like this. You're pretty sure they're saved, you think. Every church has been so like, so this is one of those guys that I, I, I'm pretty sure he's saved. And uh, he has a lot of strange friends and a lot of weird things. So he texts me because I wasn't at the Saturday night service in, in Lafayette. He texts me and goes, where are you, Pastor? I said, I'm at home, but I'm preaching tomorrow at the Rice Palace. <laughs> text goes silent. He takes me back and goes, that's a casino. <laughs> I text him back and said, how do you know? <laughs> He texted me back and said, everybody knows that's a casino. I texted him back and said, they still remember you. <laughs> I, I'm just so excited about what God is doing here in Crowley. And I want to thank every one of you for being here. Uh, Mike Francis, so this was a long a, a part of his heart. But many of you here as well. 
I believe that in every season, God has new things that he wants to do in a community. And I can tell you, in, in, in Acadiana, where we are, our Bruce Star Campus, Lafayette, now Opelousas, uh, where almost 5,000 people will gather this weekend, and every weekend, more than 100 people are born again. All the way through to our family of churches, it's also represented. We have a family of churches of 14 churches with many, many campuses. It's great to have Pastor Tyron and his wife Betsy, who are from our church in Keller, over 3,000 people there. I'll be preaching there next weekend. Tyron, you and Betsy stand up to me. She's there worship with one of the greatest worship leaders in the country. He is the pride of Gaydon, Louisiana. It's not the duck capital of the world. It's the tyrant Caswell capital of the world. The only youth pastor who is also a UFC fighter. And really to be a youth pastor, you've got to be that too. How many of you, last year has been a great year for you? Raise your hand. How many of you, it's been, how many of you have probably not been a good year at all? Raise your hand. That's okay. It's okay to say that in church. You know, I tell people at our church, if you lie in church, you go straight to hell. So if it was a bad year, there's nothing wrong with raising your hand and saying that. Because life is about seasons. Would you say that with me, life is about seasons? Okay, you're in a bad season, so you didn't even want to say that. So say that with me. Life is about seasons. And really, the Bible declares in Romans 1 that all of creation declares the glory of God. And one of the first things we understand about God's creation is seasons. That there are summers when, when, when it seems like things are really going good, and then it becomes really hot, and then you're thirsty, and then it seems like, man, you want to get things off of you. And, and then there's winters where, where you just want to go and you just want to hide. I think that the biggest walk that we have as Christians, that the biggest part of our walk is to understand the seasons that we're in, and the reasons for the seasons. I don't know how many of you have seen uh, the movie Moses. How many of you saw the movie Moses? It's something like the story. There's a guy named Moses in there, and there's water. <laughs> we actually rented out the, the Grand 14, all the theater showings for that, and, and all, had, had all of our church come, and, and, and we really enjoyed it. And uh, again, it was the best probably Hollywood could do. But one of the great things that I see in the life of Moses is a powerful verse that's lived out. It's a New Testament verse, but it's lived out over and over in all of our lives. It's probably the two most famous verses in the New Testament. The first one is John 3.16, which is? Okay. That he gave? Okay. And the other one, once you become a believer is Romans 8, 28. And it says this, And we know that all things work together for to those who love God and are called according to His purposes. How many of you love God? How many of you know that you really love God? Well, we got more response out of that than anything else. That's really good. Uh, how many of you know that you love God, but there's some things that happen to you that you don't love and that you don't understand? Today, Romans 8, 28, I want to, I want to read you out of, the, uh, out of the message translation. I was reading it earlier this morning. Listen to what Romans 8, 28 is, 26 to 28 in the message translation. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired of waiting, 
God's Spirit is right alongside, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aches and groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Would you say this with me? God is working something good in my life. Okay, that sounds like a confession from a serial murderer. Okay, I want you to say this with me. God is working something good in my life. Even if what's happening now is not good. Now, you got your Bible with you, and I hope you do. Open it up to Exodus chapter 2. And uh, if you don't know where Exodus is, there's the first book of the Bible is Genesis, and the second one is Exodus. Uh, I know you think that's kind of funny. I just recently led a guy to Christ about a year and a half ago who was uh, Buddhist. He owns all the Papa John's in Acadiana, the Meshes Donuts, and and when I said to him, I was trying to show him, he, 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 he said, Pastor, where is Genesis? So, Exodus is the second book of the Bible, and of course we know that the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. So they would be Pentateuch, it means, Pentateuch means five, and we know who they were written by. Who were they written by? Can we just have a guess? I mean, come on. They were all, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were written by Moses. And that's why it's so important for you to believe in creation. Because the person that told Moses how the world was created was God himself. And I'm amazed how people will never question the Ten Commandments, but they always question creationism. Never, never putting together that God himself audibly told Moses, this is exactly how I did it. So the person recording the story that we're going to talk about is... And it's about Moses. It's Moses actually recording his story of what God did in his life. But here's a question I would like to ask Moses. What if looking back on your life, you could now interpret, wow, God was working inside of me, even when I didn't see it. So, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story, and then I'm going to read a couple of verses and, and talk to you a bit about what God is saying to us, and then we're going to close. In, uh, in Exodus chapter 2, Moses is born. By Exodus chapter 11, uh, he has not only been born, he's been raised in Pharaoh's house. All these different things have transpired. And then finally, we get to the place at the end of chapter 2, which... Ironically, uh, the first two chapters of Exodus tell us Moses' first 80 years of his life, and the rest of the Bible is filled with what happens after he meets God. Think about that. So in Exodus chapter 2, and I want to read a little bit, I'll tell you a little bit of the story. You know Moses, he's in the water, he's drawn out, he's raised as Pharaoh's grandson, and there he is a prince in Egypt. You've all seen the Disney movie, even if you haven't read the Bible. And there he 
at 40 years of age, looks out and he sees all the pain that his people are in and that they're being beaten. And one day he gets angry because he's frustrated about the way that his people are treated. He goes and he kills an Egyptian soldier. And when he kills an Egyptian soldier, word spreads to the palace and he has to run and leave. And he runs off into the wilderness. And for the next 40 years, we simply know one thing about him. He, he marries a pagan girl. As a matter of fact, her father is a pagan priest. His name is Jethro, not Bodine. And he becomes known as Jethro's son-in-law who keeps sheep. And he stays there for 40 years. That's really all we know. And he has a son. And his son is named a stranger. So... For the first 40 years of his life, he was a prince in Egypt. For the last 40 years of life, he was Jethro's son-in-law taking care of his flocks. Period. I don't know uh, if any of you know who Christian Bale is. How many of you know who Christian Bale is? Anybody know who that is? He's probably one of the most famous actors there is. I think he just did what movies did he do? Batman. Well, Exodus. What else? He's like, like the hot actor. And they asked him, what do you think, being Moses in the movie, what do you think about Moses? And do you know what he said? I think he is the craziest, most schizophrenic, bipolar person I have ever studied after in my life. And that, that honestly, from a non-spiritual perspective, I understand. He was raised as a prince. Yet at the same time, he knew that his people were being tortured. One day he gets fed up with it. Then he becomes a murderer. Then he runs off in the backside of the desert. He's unheard of for 40 years. And then finally, God appears to him and tells him what he wants him to do with his life. His main concern is that when he goes back, that the people who know that he killed an Egyptian will still be there. So I'm going to read, that's the part of the story I'm going to read, I'm going to read a couple of verses to you, and then I want to talk to you about them. All right? Everybody with me? Okay. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. All right? Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the king of Israel, then the children of Israel groaned because of their bondage and cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Here's the next verse, chapter 3. As you know, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verses. It was only put that way so that we could accurately turn that. The next statement. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro as funds his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the middle of the bush. So that he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush burns. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take the sandals off of your feet. The place you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid. And the Lord said to Moses, Moses, I have surely seen 
the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I know their sorrows. Today, I, I, as I prayed this morning, even as, even as Pastor Zach talked about in the beginning, I don't know what season of life you're in. And I don't know if this, this season of life you're in is an incredible season of your life. I don't know if it's a really, really, really challenging season of your life. But Exodus 2.23 says, Now it happened in the process of time. Say that with me. The process of time. In everything God does, there is a process. And there is a time. There is a process. And there is a time. What is the process that God is working in every one of us? And if we could stand Moses here today, right now, and if Moses could tell you, looking back on the first 80 years of his life, what life must have been like. Can, can you imagine him telling his children, okay, who never knew him as anything but Jethro's son-in-law who took care of sheep. Can you imagine him looking like when he's 60 or 65, He's still years away from the burning bush going, kids, let me tell you all something. You know, Daddy used to be, and can't you see him? You know, your kids always do it. A prince in Egypt. We know. And Daddy used to have a bunch of servants. And Daddy never saw a sheep unless it was on a platter. I mean, can you imagine him telling these stories and then looking at him like it was some far-fetched dream? Here we go. A prince of Egypt story again. Turn the Disney Channel on. Yet in reality, looking back on it, he could see. that though he couldn't see while he was going through it, God was working out a process. And there was a timetable connected to the process. Here's a question for you. What is God working in you? And where are you in that time process? Do you think that I ever thought in 1979, we'd be planning a church in Crowley? Let me help you. Heck no, heaven no, and anything else no. I, I never thought we'd be planning a campus in Broussard, or in Jennings, or in Eunice, or in Apple, or all of the different things that God has privileged all of us to be a part of who know the journey. And just the same way, there are things that are going on in your life that God looks at, and He sees you from the moment that He got you. And in Romans 8, 28, He is working all things together for your good. But there is a process, and there is a time, and if you don't see it, you still need the process and the time to work inside of you. What process are you in? What timetable are you in and what God is doing in your life? I looked at somebody recently who was going through tragedy and they said to me, Pastor, come on, what is this, some kind of joke? Is this some kind of joke that God is allowing me to go through something just to kind of see what, what, what I'm going to do? Let's stop and freeze frame a moment. And Moses was here, and he was seated right beside me, and, and we were asking him a question. We started out by saying, Moses, let me ask you a question. Did you have any clue what God was going to do with your life? What do you think his answer would be? No. 
But, but, but Moses, did you know when, when you had these anger issues and Pharaoh sent you to counselors everywhere and finally you exploded because they said you were bipolar and you killed somebody? Did you know these anger issues were going to be used by God? And did you know that your anger that would get you driven out of Egypt where you had everything you wanted to a place where you had nothing that you ever imagined? In the wilderness? Where you weren't even known as a Pharaoh's grandson or a prince in Egypt or Moses. You were simply known by your father-in-law and the occupation that you had for him. Did you ever think that God was going to be using that inside of you? What's the answer to that? No. No. But was God using it? And here's what I believe that God wants every one of us to know. No matter what you're going through, just as the same as he said to Moses, I have seen what my people are going through. Do you know that God's seen everything that you're going through? He knows what the oil industry is going to do. He knows what OPEC's doing. He knows who's getting laid off. He knows the challenge that you are going to walk through. God has seen what you are going through. Anybody ever pray one of those prayers in desperation when you get before God and go, God, Lord, do you see what's going on? Like somehow we're going to give God information he never had before. Anybody ever pray those prayers this last year? Raise your hand, come on. Of course you have. And what God says to you is the very same thing he says to Moses. Moses, you may not have heard from me for 40 years, but there is a divine moment where I clutch your life out and I begin to work inside of you. And even though you haven't seen it, I have a process and I have a time. And I see not only what my people are going through, I also see what you're going through. Look right here, child of God. God sees what you are going through. He sees what you're going through. How many parents do we have here of adult children? Raise your hand. How many of you know that no parent is any happier than their saddest child? How many have gone through some kid pain this last year? Why? Why? Do you know why God gives you children? To ensure you will always have a prayer life. <laughs> and all the parents said, Amen. and all the kids said, shut up, you don't even know. <laughs> but God is working inside of you, and I want you to know that God wants you to know He sees what you're going through, He sees it. He sees what things are like in your home. He sees what things are like in your relationships. He sees it. The loneliness. God sees all of that. Here's the second thing. He said, Moses, not only have I seen it, I've heard. I've heard. Do you know that scripture says that one day we will give an account for every idle word we speak on the day of judgment? Let me tell you what the encouraging part about that is. If God has heard every word you said that might not have been good, he has also heard every prayer that you prayed that was good. Even the ones where you and I feel like, anybody ever feel like you're praying, 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 and it doesn't happen? Anybody here? Well, the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, would you come up and tell me the secret to your great Christian life? 
Because there are moments, there's a process in the time, and we begin to pray. You never know what process or what time it is, and it's a prayer that fills up, and then one day, one day, it overflows, and the answer comes back to you, and you recognize, man, I'm so glad I didn't quit. I'm so glad that I didn't stop. God wants you and I to know that there, he has seen and that he's heard. And here's the third thing that he says, and I know. I know their sorrows. I know. You know what that word know means? It means to become intimately acquainted with. Adam knew Eve and they bore a son. God is intimately acquainted with the pain of every person that's ever walked through here. Many of you, like me, have attended funerals that, that, that were just, just sad. Attended a funeral recently, heartbreaking, actually devastating, of a 28-year-old girl who ran off the Ridge Road in Lafayette and hit a, a building that was trapped in her car, and her car exploded, and she was calling people on her phone to say she was trapped and on fire and couldn't get out, and she died that way. The only thing that could add to the tragedy is that her four-year-old daughter died tragically four months before. And I'm sitting in the little bitty funeral home in Scott, right across from the Catholic Church. And I'm looking at a mama who's there in an empty funeral home and nobody there but her and her boyfriend. And she looks at me and she says, Pastor Jacob, is, is this really some kind of joke that God's playing on me? Is, is this really some kind of joke? How can this happen to me? Why should I believe in God? And I looked at her and I said, I, I don't understand. And I'm going to claim that I do. But I know that God has seen and God has heard and God knows. This happened six weeks ago. I put my arm around her and she began to weep. Her boyfriend kept trying to wave me off and tell me to stop. And as I prayed with her and I got through, I, I, I left. And here's what I'd said to her, just, just in faith, believing. First of all, I said, every, every parent's desire is to know that your children are in the arms of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And I said, if your daughter had time to call people, I know she had time to call out to the Lord. And I know your four-year-old granddaughter is in the presence of the Lord. Even though her death was tragic, I know she's in the presence of the Lord. That night, Michelle went to the funeral home for the wake. And when she was leaving, a lady grabbed her and said, are, are you Miss Michelle, Pastor Jacobs? She goes, I want you to know something. Uh, that there is a lady in y'all's church who just started ministering to this young girl that died in the fire. And, and I know that, I just want you to know she was ministering to her. So Michelle was very relieved and she was walking out and she went to get in her car and when she did, another lady came up and grabbed her and said, Miss Michelle. She said, yes, she said, I, I go to the Lafayette campus. I'm, I'm the one that was ministering to the little girl that died in the fire. 
I've been bringing her to the church for the last three months. She got saved. She was in an abusive relationship. And this coming week, my husband and I were moving her in to a new apartment. And then Michelle looked at her and said, I just want you to know you're an angel. You're an angel. I can't believe that you should. Her mother's going to be amazed if this happened. And the lady looked at her and said, no, Miss Michelle, I'm not an angel. I came to the Lafayette campus a year ago. I got saved. God's changed me and my husband. Our entire life has been changed. And all I want to do is share with somebody else the same thing that God brought us through. But that's a good place to clap. That's a real good place to clap. Sometimes you don't know where to clap, so I need to tell you. So that when Pastor Zach's preaching and he needs you to clap and you don't, you need to know what time it is to clap. So part of my job is to help you. That's a good place to clap and thank God. Because even in the midst of tragedy, God knows, God is seeing, and God is working. So Pastor, what is it then? If we could talk to Moses and he was right here, what would he say to us? I think he'd say real, three real simple things that I want you to leave with today. Number one is this. God will test you. Say it with me. God will test you. Look at the person beside you and say, God will test you. How many of you find yourself continuing to go through the same test over and over? Do you know why? Say it loud. The test will pass when you pass the test. The test will pass when you pass the test. And if the same test keeps coming to you over and over and over and over and over, God probably is saying something to you. And I believe that if Moses was here, he would tell you that I had to get to a place in my life where I couldn't rely on who I was raised by. I couldn't rely on the fact that I was plucked out of the water. I couldn't rely on the fact that I was Jethro's son-in-law and he had wealth. I had to come to the place in my life where I had to rely upon God and God alone. And once he stripped me of being a prince in Egypt and he stripped me of being Jethro's son-in-law, it was then me and God. And that's when I found out who I really was. That's when I found out who I really was. He would say to you, God will test you. You say, Pastor Dick, well, why does God test me? I mean, I, he, I know what's in my heart. No, you don't. Remember, God knows what's in your heart. He tests you to show what, what so you would know what's in your heart. Y'all you, you, don't know this, but I was supposed to be a doctor and a pastor. There's just one thing that stopped me. Friday. If it wasn't for Fridays, I'd be a doctor and a pastor. Because you know what happened on Fridays? Tests. Every week, tests came on Friday. And if I just could, didn't have to take those tests, I'd have been a, a, a pilot, a doctor, a preacher, a professional hunter. I mean, I would have been all of those things. But the only thing that stopped me was tests. Because what a test does is it goes from showing you what you think you know to what you really know. And God will, He will test you. He will test you. Moses would sit here and he would tell you, listen, 
I can tell you, God will test you. That's part of the journey. That's part of really understanding. Not what you think you know, but what you really, really know. Here's the second thing that I believe you would say to us is, God is testing you so that God can trust you. God can trust you. Do, do you know how many people God's trusted that have disappointed him and everybody else? And it doesn't matter if it's Jimmy Swagger, or if it's Bill Clinton, or if it's Father Gauthier, or if it's some other person. God will allow you to be tested so that He can trust you. How many of you love trusting God? You know what's a joy? When God also finds people that He can trust. Can God trust you? Can God trust you? Even as this work begins right now, God is testing the heart of the people that he's placed here. Pastor Zach came, all kind of many of you came, yes, this is something new that God is doing. And, and, and Pastor Zach and Claire are wonderful, but they're still human. Let me say that because maybe you didn't understand. They're still human. And they're still growing. Well, we've got more amens on that than everything else in the world. I don't know what that means, Zach, but you're going to counseling for a while. But, but God has placed them here for this season and this time for God to do something new in Crowley and to raise up a work where a couple can give their life to a community and truly impact Acadia Parish. God is testing you to see if he can trust you. Do you know how many people God's trusted that have disappointed him and so many others? I was doing a Bible study for the biggest employers in Lafayette a couple of years ago, and I opened up my Bible, and a guy looked across from me, and he goes, Pastor Jacob, I just want you to know a lot of people would like to see you fail. I went, well, thank you very much. Let's open in prayer. <laughs> do, do you know that every one of us who have a call of God in our life and a witness inside of our life, there are people that are waiting to see us fail so they can look at us and say, see, it doesn't really work. It's really not true. It really can't happen. God doesn't really work. And here's the last thing I think that Moses would say to us is, God is testing you so that he can trust you, so that he can take you to a place you never imagined. To a place you never imagined. How many of you have big dreams for your life? God has exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond the dreams that you could ever imagine. 16 years ago, when we planted in the Harris Smith Lodge, first Sunday, Pastor Steve Robinson the architect of our family churches and my dearest friend, sitting right there in the front row. A year later, he would plant. A year later, we would start in Jennings. Then in Mississippi. Then in, and the story goes on and on. This weekend, almost 40,000 people will gather in those churches that began 16 years ago. 
from Destin, Florida, Panama Beach, St. Louis, Missouri, all the way through all of South Louisiana in the Gulf region. Do you know what? God had bigger plans than we did. And God saw. And God knew. And just that same way, there's something that God is doing inside of you. Would you pray with me, Father? I thank you for the grace of God. I thank you that for every person that's here, Father, there is a plan and a divine purpose that you have for their lives. I thank you, Father, that nothing has happened by accident. Nothing. The person that invited them, the fact that they happened to be here, all of it is a process that you've been working all throughout their lives. I think of what so many people say who are near the end of their life, who say, my whole life flashed before my eyes. There comes a time and a moment where, where you do a review of all the workings, and in that moment, we see clearly, oh, it was God that picked me out of that mess. It was God that spared me. It was God that delivered me. It was God that ensured where I would live and who I would marry and what would happen to my children. All of these things, it was God. Even in the mistakes, God was working it for good. Even in the failures, God was working it for good. God, I thank you for that. I thank you that what you're looking for today is not perfection in any of us. But people who are willing to embrace the process and the time of what you're doing. People that you, you, you can trust. People aren't perfect, but people are still willing to, to, to take the test. And by your grace and your strength, pass it. Even in the first and second and third and fourth and fifth and many times over failures that all of us have. I thank you that you're not the God of the second chance. If you weren't, none of us would be here. You're the God of the next one because we've all needed many. Thank you for what you're doing here, Father. Thank you for the precious people that are here. Thank you for the old guard that is here that served other ministries and other visions that were here before and now see youth and zeal and a new life and a divine plan and want to be a part of what you're doing to carry their children and grandchildren into the future. Thank you for that privilege. Thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for the precious people that have served here before, this community and this region well. Lord, may we be found faithful as they have.